Okay, we're here. Screen Heat Miami. Screen Heating. Yes, sir. A lot of heat. Yeah, first quarter's bringing already a lot of a lot of heat and energy. So much going on between Grammys and movies and Oscar buzz and sun dances and slam dances and all the dances. Miami Heat. Yes, the Miami Bad Boys Heat. Bad Boys Heat. What you gonna do? It's a cauldron. <laughs> <laughs> when they call for you. Oh, yes. Plus, we have a great guest today. Uh, this was a really, really fantastic interview uh, with a friend of ours, a producer uh, that is also directing now, Shona Tuckman. Shona Tuckman. Yeah, she's awesome. Can't wait to get into that conversation. Yeah, I th- her next movie is the movie that she's going to direct. Right. Yeah, so she will be stepping into the, uh, the director's role, which is awesome to see that. And this was a great interview. Yeah, yeah, it was great. And here we are. This is Screen Heat Miami brought to you by Kajik Multimedia, Cinevision, Chemical, and the Miami Media and Film Market. I'm J.L. Martinez. And I'm Kevin Sharpley. Let's do the heat. We're going to pop it. Pop it off. All right. So uh, what, what do you want to get into first? Bad Boys. Okay. You saw it. Saw it over the weekend. You liked it? Killed it. Yeah. It's, it looks like a fun movie. This is definitely moving into a franchise. Yeah. Made a lot of money ton of money mm-hmm. beat well, the expectations yeah it's we a, talked it's a, about that yeah. last week it's a brand it's a franchise you know not it wasn't is, a franchise that's amazing how they just turned the key yeah that it's like that third part just kind of put everything together you know i, I don't know if it's going to go as long as fast and the furious i think it will you think wait till you see it i hope so <laughs> yeah That'd be fun are they going to are like well they already have car chases oh yeah it's big it's huge yeah. i mean this one was 10 times bigger yeah 10 times more global right i mean yeah brilliant and martin lawrence i gotta give it up he almost brought me to tears did he really he got emotional yes i got misty on it oh man uh you'll see were there any classic lines that's how you drive (laughs) (laughs) that was the line was that in there yeah you didn't even see the movie Uh, yeah well it was in part two that's why oh okay yeah coincidentally i remember bad boys part two you remember they also shot too fast and too furious at the same time in the same city yeah you had multiple highway closures miami was popping miami was popping yeah some pretty pissed people when they closed down to macarthur oh i know well they're doing it now to reconstruct the bridge so yeah be more fun for a movie (laughs) (laughs) everybody wants to blame the movies yeah so yes go see bad boys for life you gotta see it it's uh it's always a fun nod to to our little 305 over here and it'd be perfect for when we interview will and martin if you're listening we'd love to talk shop we're gonna make you listen we're sending this episode right to your hearts that's how you podcast (laughs) (laughs) but let's get into the grammys Yes. So I've been following it peripherally. It's been an interesting year. A lot of drama behind the scenes this year, huh? A lot of drama. President fired. Yeah. Then coming back with all sorts of... She blew the house up. Man. You know what they say? (laughs) What, if you're leaving, blow the house up? No. You know, someone scorned. Oh. That whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we don't know, though, because this controversy is ping-ponging back and forth. Right. And... You know, I have to say, you know, politics aside, Mm. um, the Grammys became a platform for a lot of artists. Right. This time. I mean, Diddy had a speech. Yes. That really cut to the heart. Right. As did um, Lizzo. Yeah. And Tyler, the creator. Right. And... You know, their point of contention is categorization 
Mm-hmm. What is music? How do you categorize music? Hmm. And there's been such an overlap in terms of, you know, what a song is. And, you know, you look at the turn in hip hop music and rap music where rap songs, which when rap first came out, they didn't necessarily even consider that a genre. Now it's the most popular genre. Rap songs are covered regularly in pop music Mm -hmm. and the rhythms the melodies have all been pervasively interwoven within popular songs. Right. You have an artist like Post Malone who just won the best rap album for their critics' choice. Right. So this whole categorization, I think, needs to have um, a real strong look at it. Mm-hmm. Because you know, rap music is the number one music in America. It is. It's, it's extremely popular, uh, and it definitely has built part of the popular culture of this country and the world. And the world, yeah, it's very international now as well. So, so yeah, you know, definitely deserves you know a lot of respect and a lot of uh, sort of you know acceptance as as a mainstream genre. Yeah, because everyone is using it. Everyone is borrowing from it, mm-hmm. and it's arguably you know one of the only. American original music forms. Right. So, and definitely the most recent. Yeah. So, that and jazz. And jazz. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Which is, um, you know, a lot of people say, you know, jazz, the blues, rap music was the evolution of that. So, yeah. But I mean, it it was an eventful Grammys. Billie Eilish swept yeah she won a lot of stuff she won a lot and one of my favorite artists and an artist that i've been tracking for years gary clark jr Mm -hmm. three grammys wow they say second coming there you go it's uh it's a lot going on in that music world yeah yeah second coming of Jimi hendrix yeah wow yeah so Big shoes, or I guess big fingers to fill. Apparently that was part of his magic. Very long fingers. That's what they say. That's what they said. But he learned how to play on a broom and strings. So (laughs) you don't have anywhere else to go but up from there. Right. Got to start somewhere. Yep. (laughs) Yep. But moving on. Yeah. There's a lot more to talk about. I know. Yeah. Let's uh, get in. You know, Sundance is going on, popping off. Yeah. A lot of interesting things going on. Uh, We mentioned previously that we did have some hometown films making some waves up there. A lot of 305. Love it. So flow glow up in Sundance. Yeah, we had mentioned the uh, the documentary feature Mucho Mucho Amor, which got really great reviews all over the tree. Sold before yes. it even hit the spot. It is coming to a Netflix streamer near you. Yes, yes. <laughs> so yeah, you can Netflix and chill with Walter Mercado later this year. Yeah, uh, it's, it's it was yeah, but it was just uh, very well received, and I'm so happy for for the team that made that film locally here in Miami and everything they did to put that together. Uh, and then of course our our quirky little group, the Borscht Kids, were up there. Yeah, keep Brett calling Potter. them kids. There. <laughs> uh, well, you know they started out as kids. They were it's kind of hard. Yeah. Boys to men. 
what are they? Are they men? It should be men's men to boys, right? And girls, know. girls yeah. to women. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, uh, Brett Potter, who we've had on the podcast before, was up there. You know, he teased at the Omniboat film. And so he did talk about the Omniboat film. He definitely in did. his podcast. So yeah. you guys have to go back and listen to that. Got to check that out. And uh, the nice, splashy premiere. Uh, I think we've all heard by now that uh, Robert Redford's grandson, Dylan, directed one of the vignettes that made the feature and his brought Robert Redford back. Yeah. Brought, and, and a very interesting way, though, there was an article in The New York Times uh, that talked about <laughs> how Dylan pitched him the role, uh, which uh, basically he plays a, a 12 foot sort of crazy dolphin. Oh. Yeah, he doesn't play. Okay. Yeah. I didn't so, know that. Yeah, it's it's very interesting what he actually plays in the film. So it's more of a voice role, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. Hey, voice is hard to do. So apparently Robert told the New York Times, well, at least I wasn't a whale. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that's when you, when quintessential you, Robert Redford. Yeah, when you step into the Borscht Vortex, you never know what's going to happen. That's for sure. Yeah. So yeah, so it's a, an interesting run for those guys. Uh, another fellow Miami filmmaker that was out there supporting them that was part of the project, Phil Lord. Uh, yeah. was out there um, had a cool jacket if you guys follow the the Twitter accounts uh, I think we retweeted it we should uh, put his jacket on the website we definitely gotta put his jacket on the website because it was uh, it was a really 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 cool jacket um, that he was wearing all over Sundance on the red carpet and everything uh, which basically says uh, and I'll tell you right Miami is the shit bro we gotta get a jacket like that and remember when you say bro you got to say it like that with the Miami twang. That's right. Miami's a shit, bro. You know what? We should get T-shirts. <laughs> Can we get Screen Heat Miami's the shit, bro? Yeah. <laughs> Screen Heat Miami Screen on the heat. front. Miami is the shit. Perfect. Bro. Okay. It's done. <laughs> Look on your website in a couple of weeks. ScreenHeatMiami.com. There it is. Yeah. Maybe we can. Yeah. I don't know if, if, if Phil Lord trademarked that jacket or if it was a gift, but nah. <laughs> I'm sure we can borrow some. You know, if he's... Going by the Borscht Credo. Yeah. It's all fair game. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) And Michael Arcos, who is... Another recent interview. Our last podcast. Yeah. He's out there with his film, Valerio's Day Out. Yeah. Funky short film about a a leopard that escapes from the zoo. Escapes from the zoo. And goes on a killing rampage. It was a jaguar. What was that's it? right. It was a something jaguar. like that. Yeah. So that's based uh, on a true, true story. A true event. <laughs> <laughs> a true event. That's right. Which Serial is, killing jaguar. There you go. I think it was more headline than anything else, but it's definitely <laughs> not people. No, only was, animals. Right. In right. Right. Which you know, I guess if you believe in the whole circle of life, the Lion King, all that stuff, at some point someone needs to eat something, right? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> the circle of life. <laughs> Which is actually now the latest version is now streaming on Disney Plus. Right <laughs> there you go. Interested in that. <laughs> so, latest Oscar buzz. Yeah, so uh, there was a recent article in Collider saying that indeed now 1917 is the absolute front runner for Best Picture. And I've been saying this. Right. I, I said it at the last podcast, on the last podcast. I mean, again, this is a film where. Everything just comes together. Yeah. I mean, everything. And, and, you know, it's that's not an easy feat. Mm-hmm. And this is a very, very technical film. Yes. No, it is. So when you have so many pistons mm. firing mm. 
it's kind of hard to move around that. Yeah, no, you're right. It, it really, it really is. It's, there's a lot going on in that film, uh, you know, and, and it's, it's just one of those breathtaking films, uh, that really has so much going for it. Um, the one little caveat is that it is rare for a best picture winner to not have anyone nominated in the acting category. Yeah. But, but it's a minor thing. You know, I have a lot to say about that, which is the film really isn't necessarily it is ensemble you know right but it's the story that carries it through and there's a twist in the middle right you know i don't want to give any spoilers and i guess you know you could think of it as an alfred hitchcockian twist right and so that is i feel Hmm in championing this movie you know one of the biggest uh uh pluses right it really becomes less about the specific actors and more about the story right and for me this is what elevates that movie yeah it's just one lyrical poem you may be right i don't know it's a song it is it could be yeah. Or a Joker could sneak up and sucker punch him right at the last moment. <laughs> he could, but I don't and, think that. I don't and think, laugh away with the Oscar. Well, that is another thing they mention is that the, the industry does love Joker a lot. And remember, we're talking about the Academy here uh, as opposed to other voting groups that are more specific. Uh, but And also they're, they're big Todd Phillips fans. So you you never know. Um, you know, we saw obviously a couple years ago with Moonlight and La La Land, you know, that was a surprise <laughs> in many ways. But, uh, but yeah, it seems definitely seems right now it's a fun runner and we'll see it's uh it's gonna be you know just maybe what we're about a week and a half away <laughs> a week and a half Jeez. according to your watch according to my watch which actually tells you exactly what day it, does. <laughs> it has the oscars right there it has the date yeah it has a little oscar gold man that just <laughs> how did you get that oscar inside of that watch <laughs> that's amazing there you it's go. an analog watch too it is there you go yeah that's pretty cool the little gold man just keeps the time going <laughs> uh, yeah yeah but i am really excited about What's going to happen with this Oscars? Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely going to be an interesting year. I'm, I, I'm going to be some interesting speeches, I'm sure. Uh, and it's just going to be fun to see. You know, I'm, I'm a little disappointed that we weren't able to find a host again. Yeah, but it went so well without the host. Did it? Yeah. It was no, right. the ratings were up. The ratings were up, huh? Yeah, last year, Maybe because it was short. Was it shorter last year? I, uh, I mean, I can only imagine it's shorter, no host. Right. You know? Right. It's hard to find a host. It is. I mean, I I think they should have given Kevin Hart the chance. What do you think? I mean, he, he, I mean, I, I think that he did not, although he did, you know, come back and. Right. You know, I don't know if it was necessary to have a direct apology, per se. Right. But an acknowledgement, you know, and I think initially there was no acknowledgement. Right. And that had something to do with a disconnect and then he just said forget it you know yeah maybe a little bit of ego at play could be i don't know yeah but um i think that he would have made a tremendous host and still you know could potentially make a tremendous host of something maybe he'll do the golden globes you know they seem to be a little more forgiving about <laughs> i don't know we'll see but i did have this conversation i had this conversation with uh, cheryl boon isaacs right. who was the president oh you talked to her about Academy. that well not about kevin hart oh because she was here before that. Right. But how difficult it is to find a host. 
it is challenging. And you have to walk, a, especially now with social media, you really have to walk a tightrope. Yeah, but even before the social media, it's 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 a tightrope in terms of, you know, the weight and gravitas. Right. That the awards carry right. and the specific skill set that it takes to carry right. the awards. I mean, you know, you have to. Although, you know, they did have the James Franco and Anne Hathaway. Um, that apparently was not a good, not a lot of. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say debacle, but <laughs> situation, yeah. you know, but the Oscar hosts that have been most successful are the ones that could really juggle comedy but also directness and time efficacy. Chris Rock is by far my favorite. Really? Yes. I know he's done it like a couple times. To yeah. me, he is the Ricky Gervais of the Oscars. Oh, yeah. I mean, when he, he had that one bit, I think the first time out, when they were, uh, remember that it was the year that they were trying to save time by giving the below the line categories at the Oscar at their seat so they didn't have to walk all the way to the stage. Yeah. And he literally <laughs> said, they should just make it a drive through I'll have an Oscar and a McFlurry. <laughs> I was just like dead. Wow. <laughs> just make it a drive through That's amazing that you remember that. Dude, it was one of my favorite Oscar moments ever. Oh, like, uh, yeah. Like, and then he did that whole thing where he went to like a multiplex in, somewhere in Orange County or somewhere and asked everyone what their favorite movie was. And it was like, yeah, Fast and the Furious was definitely the best movie of the year. It's like people at the multiplexes have zero idea no of what's idea. going on, you know, 10, 15 miles away. I, I, and I remember that segment, actually. <laughs> it was so funny. Like, yeah. he really, like, he has that sort of wit that obviously Ricky has, and I think all the really great comedians have that. And he just, uh, he was. It's that balancing act. Oh, he's hilarious. Anyway. Yeah. But he said he wouldn't touch it. So. Chris said he wouldn't do it again either? As of this year. Yeah. Well, I mean. But, you know, it could change. Maybe they'll switch. They'll have Chris Rock do the, the Golden Globes, and then have Ricky do the Oscars. You know, I don't think that Chris Rock would go down and do the Golden Globes. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't know if it's a... You think it's a downgrade? You heard it first. It's Green Heat Miami. Oh. Well, (laughs) everyone's entitled to their opinion. (laughs) I don't know, man. I mean, I guess it could could be equal. There you go. Equivalent. Well... There I guess. Go. Apparently, they're also the Oscar dinners are also switching to a more plant-based menu, if that matters. Oh my god! But uh, yeah, that's happening uh, as well. Uh, so okay. Well, let's just move on from there. Shona Tuckman. On that note, we're very excited to bring you the lovely and talented Shona Tuckman, and we'll be back on the other side. <laughs> let's start so? talking. Okay. I love it. So. In the new year, and Kevin's already ramping it up here with the lovely and talented Shona Tuckman. Hi. Hi. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for being here. Fresh off of the new year. Yes. Yes. Happy new year. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I am here, uh, J.O. Martinez, along with... Kevin Sharpley. That's right. And this is the Screen Heat Miami interview that we have been looking forward to for a while now. Yes, Yeah. Have. Back since before Christmas. So That's right. We've, we've gotten to the place. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's all about you, Shona. So tell us a little oh, about uh, where you're from originally. Where did you grow up? Um, well, I was born in Scotland um, and then moved to England when I was about six. So I don't have a Scottish accent anymore. Um, um, just outside London and always wanted to make films. That was my my goal wow. since I was very little. Um, and then sort of wanted to come to America because that's where films were made, you know. Mm. And um, A lot of films are being made in London now. No, though. I know that. That's, that's, like that's true. That is true. Um 
but uh, you know, I always felt like this is where I wanted to be. Right. And um, but I wonder if that's a question because even in London, it is such a powerful community. We had you know the Adrian Wooten, who's the head of the British Film Commission, as right. our first podcast, and there is so much going on. But I wonder if even over there, they still see America as like the home of movies. Is that is that still a perception there, or do they feel like they've taken on their own? Um, I'm not sure because I'm not really living in in it there. But right. um, I think that it's possible that that's you know you you think you say Hollywood when you mean films right. you, you know you, you immediately associate with the, the location mm. um, but yes there's a lot of filmmaking going on in London and I'd and of course all over the UK and I'd absolutely love to be able to film there at, one, at some point <laughs> yes. uh, my dad is still in London and uh, oh, wow. I go and visit him but I'd love to be actually filming there so yeah it's gorgeous I was just yeah. there in September. Okay. Yeah, uh, last September, and you know, just amazing place. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Community, definitely. really. Oh yeah. yes, definitely, definitely, so. yeah. But I'm now a Miamian, <laughs> as it were. <laughs> so how did you get to Miami? So that's yes, that's the rest of the story. Um, but we are I very actually, proud to have you, by the well, way. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, I was in a film school in England, and they had an exchange program with a school in Rochester, New York, at RIT. And... Um, was only supposed to be there for three months and my mom said don't meet anyone I was like no I'm just going for a few months forget that don't worry um, and within three weeks I met uh, Brad all-american Brad who um, was doing photography on the mm. same floor and uh, basically that was it so he was from New York but he we moved to Florida after graduation and uh, I went back and forth for a few years and worked in England a bit and came back and forth and then eventually we stayed in Florida and he started a business and I started mine so oh, wow. it's it, yeah so we just kind of <laughs> fell in love with Florida and stayed and that was a long time ago well, I'm not tough. telling you how many years <laughs> <laughs> a few a few years a few yeah. years yes, yes so you fell in love with South Florida yes we did Wow. We did. Well, the, I mean, no, the weather. I'm not going to be... I'm from England. I'm from Scotland. Sorry, right. Scotland. Scotland. I shouldn't <laughs> say England. My grandmother would kill me. Um, oh. So mm. definitely from the UK. Yes. Uh, but then came to America to make movies and wound up in Miami. So yes. I, so how, how did you get into the sort of cinematic journey here? Well, I first started working as a PA in a production company in Miami called Venture Productions. Um, we did a lot of the armed forces, uh, radio and television, actually the entire contract um, so I just kind of worked my way up from being the PA doing makeup doing right. wardrobe everything you know learning wow. everything and um, loved it it was a great crew and good good company to work for and then kind of went out and did some freelance stuff and worked on my own after that and mm. um yeah, so it just sort of started off in production and then ended up kind of going into writing and and producing bigger bigger and bigger projects as time went on. Wow. Well, you know, I just this is an interesting story because maybe half of the people that we've interviewed have a similar story. You yeah. know, they started from that point and moved their way up. Mm -hmm. uh, this is kind of moving forward a bit, but how has that helped you in terms of being a producer? in terms of knowing all of the different aspects. Yeah, I think I think um, you have to know everything, a little bit of everything. You don't have to know every detail of how to record sound and how to do, you know, set the lights, but you need to kind of have a, an overview of um, 
how it's done, you know, in, in terms of being able to see, oh, are they doing it right? <laughs> you know, and, and, and what kind of equipment might they need? But I don't need to know exactly every name of every light. I just need to know roughly, right. you know, what they need. Um, and that, that applies to every department, I think, mm. from everything, from wardrobe through, you know, grip and lighting, you know? My, my first practical experience where I learned the hard way was I thought that something was craft services when it was actually props. It was like literally eight hour old sushi oh, and I picked one no. up and I'm like, oh, this must be for us. Oh. And the producer's like, don't eat that. I'm like, oh, sorry. He's like, you know, that's 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 a prop for the way. It's fine. We already shot the scene, but it's like eight hours old. It's like, the oh, craft gosh. services is over here. That's, You're in the wrong department. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> so yeah, I kind of yeah, unfortunately stumbled into We don't want anyone them. dying on set no, from Salmonella. No, no. Uh, yeah. Definitely not a good look. <laughs> no, no. My first production lesson was you better know what a C47 is. And I'm like, what is that? You know, pull out a clothespin. Yeah. Right, <laughs> you right. know, don't let anyone get you on this one. Right. Very so valuable, those things. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so you moved up through production. Mm-hmm. When did you decide, I want to produce? I want to write. I want to um, move projects forward. I think. I needed more creative input. I needed to be involved in a creative way in the projects that I was doing and sort of creating my own content. That's not really a word that we used back then, but that's kind of what we're all familiar with now um, was a way to do that and to have some, some, not just input, but some, some sort of creative control that I could then take a script and then take it into production and use the skills that I had learned as a producer and, and, and working my way up to that point. And, and of course, you know, I'd met lots of people along the way that, that um, I wanted to continue working with, you know, and people in the crews and the uh, other producers, um, things like that. And, and so it was definitely the sort of natural progression into um, using the creative skills that I was sort of feeling were lacking at that point that I just sort of like, you know, I needed to kind of recharge the soul as it were and do something that was exciting and not, you know, in industrials or, um, <laughs> no, no offense to that, but you know, I just felt like piece of my soul was missing and, um, I needed to, to energize that. And oh, that was by, you know, just sort of sitting down and writing my first feature, um, here in in South Florida, which I ended up shooting the whole film in 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 this area. Oh wow! And and this was sorry, I should say what it's called. Um, <laughs> it's called Finding Joy. Ah yes. So that was um, I forget the year that it was released, but it was released by Warner Brothers um, mm-hmm. in I think it was 2013. That's so. what your bio says. Is that what it says? Oh good, <laughs> I was right. There you go. <laughs> yeah, so right. a Warner Brothers release. How exciting was that? Yeah, it was very exciting. Very exciting. Um, uh, unexpected, I guess. You know, to I just sort of set out to. Um, see if I could make it and it just sort of happened um, obviously it wasn't as easy as I'm making it sound but right. well we are going to talk about the development and production okay yeah but let's but, ease into it right right um, yeah so that it was you know it was the beginning of, of okay I've done it once I can do it again that's right. kind of how it starts you know so let's talk about the development and production of that film okay Script. When did you say, mm. this is it? 
it's time. Let's turn on the key. And what were some of the steps that helped you to get to that point? In terms of taking it, it into production, in you taking mean? It into and production. not just leaving it as a script on the exactly. table that nobody will read. <laughs> yes, because um, a lot of our listeners, you know, what we what mm-hmm. we try to do is to address you know many different layers, mm-hmm. you know, of of people in the industry. Right. So, yeah, this process, you know, a lot of people want to understand that process. Um, my mental process was just I have to just try. And I mean, you know, it's either going to stay on the desk and no one's going to read it or I can try and make it you make the film. So and I can fail at that. But at least if I try, I'll know that I tried, you know, mm-hmm. and so that was the sort of jumping off point, as it were. Mm-hmm. And um, I enjoyed the writing process. Um the script was won some awards, and I met a director in Beverly Hills, Beverly Hills Film Festival, who had won the short film uh, award at the festival, and he read the script and loved it. He was a Swiss uh, director, um, Carlo De Rosa, and he begged me <laughs> to direct the film, and I said, "Okay, well, let's let's." let's do it you know and um we just started to look out for some money and and it it all kind of came together of course at that time we had an incentive uh statewide incentive in florida which was actually very helpful um and to allow our uh investors to you know let us shoot here which was great Mm -hmm. um wasn't necessarily set here but uh i really didn't want to shoot anywhere else Mm. so with the script you entered it in festivals Yes. Contests, festivals? Uh, f- uh, mostly con- screenplay contests. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd had some success with previous scripts that I that had won some awards, but I hadn't gone on and decided to try and produce them. I also felt that Finding Joy's budget was doable. It wasn't a great big sort of action movie that one time I had a Nick- Nicolas Cage action movie that was supposed to go, and I wow. didn't, you know, I didn't, it didn't go, but it was one that I had written. Um, I wouldn't have been producing that at the time because it was just a huge budget. So this felt mad manageable on a financial scale as well. Mm. So is that a suggestion that you would have to writers, you know, enter contests, enter festivals, enter your script into things that Definitely. give it visibility? Oh, absolutely. I think if nothing else, you get feedback. If you have good material, it's going to find a home, I think. If you get, you know, get some awards under your belt, then people are looking at your script and saying, oh, this has potential, this is good. Um, and then you can you can sort of leverage that to the next thing or to try and maybe get an agent or a manager or something like that. And a lot of people reading the festival, uh, the contests are in the business. You know, they they are looking for material, material. Right. yeah, and people yeah. And, and writers and up and coming people. Um, it's a little different than it was, you know, but um, uh, it's still an, a valid way in if you are looking to be a writer, for sure. Mm. Okay. And, you know, a note, make sure that you're entering reputable contests. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you can spend a lot of money on entrance fees to contests that don't really serve you. Right. But... It, if if they offer some some notes, some feedback, it's definitely worth doing. And mm-hmm. um, another note would be just be open to other people's ideas and notes because most of the time they're just going to make you better at what you do. Sure. Yeah. So you got the director. You won a few awards. You knew you were going to shoot in Florida because incentive. Yes. And so you so you had a path. Yes. Let's talk about the production itself. 
Um, gosh, it's been a few years. I'm trying to remember. What, what do you want to know, We're Kevin? Pull it out of your brain. <laughs> oh my goodness! Pull it out of your brain. I feel like. Well, you did get prepared. some people of note on board. The oh yes. Um, well, we uh, Lainey Kazan um, plays the mother, and Barry Bostwick, who is from uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show, mm-hmm. that was his first movie. Uh, he was great. Um, they were both lovely, actually. Uh, they both starred in the movie, and then um, Josh Cook and Leanne Balaban, and they had been on a lot of sitcoms and a couple of other movies, so they were recognizable faces. Sure. Um, the casting director uh, had cast some pretty big movies and um, agreed to cast it for a very small fee because mm. they liked the script. So that helped. Um, I had a friend who was who knew one of them and they and sent it to them. And, you know, it's, it's all about trying to use everyone that you know to get things moving forward. So without the casting director, we probably wouldn't have had the cast that we had. So it just was one thing that led to another. And then once we had more of the cast attached, we were able to finish the financing. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So this is also, you know, one of the big things that, you know, we're pulling off the veil, you know, so mm-hmm. people can have an understanding, uh, you know, different pathways. Right. To right. getting their projects. There's not so. one way to do it. Yeah, never one yeah, way. Yeah, but no. the general idea of packaging something, obviously, you know, you start yeah. with a piece of material, then you add, you know, usually a director, and then there's mm-hmm. talent, and then obviously there's the producing side, the raising the money, or is it going to be a studio film? Right. All those kinds of decisions that get made and, and can often change uh, yeah, but there is a common thread. The story drives it. Right. You know, yeah, people get attracted to that story. Right, that's, that's your north star usually, right? Yeah. Absolutely, a hundred percent. I mean, not, coming from a writing background, I would feel that way anyway. But mm. as a producer, if the material, if the script's not, you know, not good or not brilliant, <laughs> actually, um, then it's not worth doing. It's a waste of the the two years of your life and and the money and everything else. And so if the script the script needs to be the, the deciding factor in, for me as a producer now, is the deciding factor in whether I put any time or effort into something. And in this case, it seems, you know, a lot of people came on board because they liked right. that <clears throat> script, that story, or loved that yes, story. Yes, yes, yeah, in that case. So it, um, yeah, and so then from there, I went on to produce a couple of more movies and um, have just written uh, a movie that I'm going to direct that's going to be my next stage so oh great I don't know if I'm jumping ahead or not but oh, that's, yes. I was thinking great. about well, we writing said we were going to jump around you know <laughs> yeah. we wanted to take the, you know, a linear path but yeah. we go backwards and forwards yeah, and right. backwards yeah. and forwards but I think the, the point is that at the time of Finding Joy it was not even on my radar to direct my own work right. I had no I didn't really have that much experience producing I, I mean just from not not features anyway. Um, I couldn't imagine t- helming the, the the script and, and directing it. So mm. it was um, not even something I considered. So a lot of people say, "Oh, I wanted to be a director my whole life." It's not that's not been the case for me. Mm. Um, I've come to it through sort of honestly holding the hands of many other directors mm-hmm. and right. making them look really good, <laughs> if I may say so myself. Right. Um, and now I feel like it's my time to do that with my with my my work I'm right. not necessarily saying with someone else's work yet but maybe at some point yeah, yeah so sure. we'll, we're gonna get to that mm-hmm. in a minute okay <laughs> <laughs> but let's not subvert your other accomplishments okay so you know after this film what was your next film um well, see you did fat right you produced yes. a, a drama yes I did I went to 
a completely different genre, really. Um, more serious subject, for sure, about uh, food addiction. Um, based on the true story of the writer-director uh, who is out of Boston, and so we filmed there because of the story being from there and, and the director being there. Uh, How did you connect with him? Um, I think it was through my agency, Gersh. Okay. Um, he was looking for a producer for this for this project, and um, I was sent the script, and it just was great. I just really connected to it. So, yeah. Um, and um, it was a very small budget. <laughs> it was a really, really small budget. Um, but it was, it was, uh, we entered it in the Toronto Film Festival and, and they accepted it. So we had a premiere there, which was really exciting to go to that for That's sure. That's a great festival. Yeah. 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 It's one yeah. of the big ones. It is. It is. <laughs> and this was a really small film compared to right. some of the films that were playing there. So we were kind of, um, felt really sort of privileged to be a part of that. Um, mm. And for people to, connect with the film the way they did was really exciting yeah but you know this is exciting to hear because it goes to show you the project could be big it could mm -hmm. be small yes. and you never know you know how it's going to connect yeah so i mean the the budget was fifty thousand. Oh, and this yeah. is a feature wow. which i'm not supposed to say probably but it's been long enough the distributor doesn't mind now no that's uh, okay so another screen heat exclusive mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we'll take the, that the world of micro budgets and you know yes. we're talking you know obviously about the kinds of films that can still be made in south florida and you know the micro budget seems to be at least one way forward yes uh in terms of you know being able to work within that very narrow yes. <laughs> sort of but i do have a question mm -hmm. so You've worked on bigger projects now, yes. smaller projects. So can, can you talk about some of the challenges in doing the smaller projects and, you know, some some of the hurdles, but also some of the ways that mm -hmm. working on a smaller project can be beneficial? Well, they're all a struggle, <laughs> um, to be honest. Um, it I think with the smaller budgets, you have to have a small crew and friends and, you know, people willing to throw things at you and give the give you things for free and you know and obviously work to get as much of that you know given to you as you can um i don't really know how we did it for that price most of that was in post-production to be honest with you wow. to to get the film ready for for toronto because sure. they have obviously high uh quality deliverables that were required yeah. Yeah, sure. so we had to clean up the sound and we had to do a lot of things that we weren't necessarily going to do if the film hadn't been you know picked Except up or premiered sure. at a festival um so that was yeah so luckily there was some money left over for that but we had to kind of supplement and add to it um wow. but a lot of it was just like okay who's in and who's not <laughs> Right. We'll feed you, you know. <laughs> we need a camera, but, you know, we'll, yes. we'll, yeah, we'll provide lunch. Um, but that was not something I would necessarily want to do again. But, um, it, yeah, I don't know. Did, but did, did it help you? I mean, career-wise, it, it may have done something in terms of at least the prestige factor, right? Well, prestige, oh, definitely. Like oh, yeah, definitely. But yeah, yeah. Um, hone your producer skills. Did mm -hmm. it help you in terms of sharpening your producer skills? Probably. Um, 
I don't know. You're just in the middle of it and you're just kind of putting out fires <laughs> wherever you are and you right, just go right, and you right, keep right. going. And, and um, yeah, probably. I but would that, say that, it's I don't think necessarily changes with budget. I mean, obviously, it's, yeah. it's nice to have a bigger budget, but right. you're always, even in a bigger movie, yeah. you know, fires, right? That's well, like, you know, yeah, I've, I've, absolutely. Come, I've come to find, you know, now on some of my bigger projects that I'm able to lean on some of the times when I didn't have <clears throat> some of the resources. Mm-hmm. And it's helped yeah. to push me through. And also in that communication. True. So that's what I was talking about before. Right. Which is, you know, understanding, you know, the different pockets. Right. Yeah. But that communication that you have with people. Because, mm-hmm. you, you know, you understand a different kind of threshold. So, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, on the bigger projects, you might be dealing with bigger uh, names, you know, talent-wise. And that becomes a bit more tricky. And you're dealing <laughs> right. with all of their teams and their agents and managers and lawyers. And it's yeah. that's takes up a lot of your time you know whereas on a smaller project it might not be you might not be dealing with that you know um you're dealing with not necessarily i hate to say no name actors but you know that's the reality um although mel in fact he he went on to be um on uh what's that show with uh will oh my gosh i'm blanking on the name <laughs> the end of the world one i forget it was on oh ABC. yeah uh, will arnett uh, right yes um, was, uh, well, phil lord did that that was a oh, Miami guy. Forget yeah. the name of yes, and actually Mel. Yes, yeah. Man on Earth. Yes, yeah. and Mel. Mel actually is from Hialeah. Oh, yes. really? Yes. Mel is from Hialeah. Yes, I just realized okay, that. Okay, that's right. Like, bring it back to Miami. And, yes. But you know what? We, we have a lot of connections because yes. another project you did, War Story, Catherine mm-hmm. Keener. Is also from Hialeah. Yeah. Something in the crazy? Hialeah water. I know. I know. Yeah, another Hialeah. Exactly. Right here. <laughs> yeah. Who knew? Something about Vincent, Vincent D'Onofrio's from Vince, Hialeah. Oh, that's yeah? Right. Yeah, okay. I think he, yeah, he was raised there. He was he born, was raised, he born, born in New York. Born in New York. But, you know, he was a transplant and then. But still. Yeah, it's a cool story. In. He, okay. he is. No, he's he's good. Yeah. Come to yeah, the barbecue. Yeah. Okay. He actually apparently got into acting because he first wanted to learn. Uh, there was a Cuban magician that was mm-hmm. living nearby and had a little magic shop, and he would go to that little magic shop in Hialeah and learn how to do magic tricks. And that's what opened him oh. up to the whole world of performing. And he originally he wanted to be a, a wow. magician. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I ha- obviously I need to do a movie with him because the next. I think you, know, you should bring all those Hialeah actors. All the Hialeah There we go. Where is Mel? Isaacs. I know he's from here, but he's not, he's not a Hialeah kid. At Hylia one point, kid. Pitbull did live in Hialeah, so he could do the music. Who did you say, Kevin? Uh, Oscar Isaacs. Oh, I thought you said Jason Isaacs, Isaacs because oh, that, no. that was he was in my last film, but I was like, uh, he's uh, clearly British. That, but, no, um, no. <laughs> is there a Hialeah in Britain? Is that no, no, no. no. <laughs> we should the find a version of Hialeah. Let's find a, your, your hometown there should be like the, the sister city. Yes, there you <laughs> go. There you go. We already cast your next movie. Thank you. Screening at Miami. We're doing all kinds of things here. That is so fun. <laughs> so so yeah speaking of you know the, the following year you did and this was a, a, a big short film right War Story well War Story was the feature that was um, the, the feature Catherine Fe- so, yeah you're right the, I did a short film in South Florida for to raise the money for the Dr. Bird's advice for Sad Poets that's which what was it was the feature right. that I just finished um, last year well, this is interesting and so you did the short to raise the money can yes, talk about that this that is- was something I would definitely do again actually what happened was I had optioned the rights to a YA novel with the same title Dr. Bird's advice for y- Sad Poets young adult for uh, young adult sorry yes okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have a young adult in my house she's 13 so she reads all that stuff um, so so we, um, so I found the book through a friend of mine, and before it was published, and was able to, to secure the rights to it for quite a small fee, which was nice. And um, 
somebody that I knew at my agency was um, looking for projects for a writer to adapt. And I sent him the book and he really liked it, uh, Yaniv Raz. And he, um, <clears throat> we worked on sort of developing the script and the story for a while. And then everybody loved the script, but it's it's got a sort of Wes Anderson feel to it. It's kind of quirky. Um, I hate that word, but that, it says it all. <laughs> That's okay. It's the tone. That's his word. What yeah, it's um, it's just this sort of this fantastic fantastical realism in it. And there's uh, a kid with anxiety disorder. It's it's a very um, unusual book he talks to an imaginary pigeon in his bedroom that's his therapist just mm. this teenage boy because his father refuses to pay for a therapist um the father is later on played by jason isaacs but um so we people would love the script but they couldn't quite visualize it so we sat down in a restaurant here in in south florida and we said and actually yaniv is he lives in la but he's from Bo. he grew up in boca um the miami uh, I, south florida sorry right. connection no, we love it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, and so I said, what do you think if we do a short film? And he's like, really? I think we should do that. So we then had to go and create a short film script because we couldn't adapt the feature. It just wouldn't, didn't right. work. Yeah, right. um, although I had, I had been at Sundance that year and um, the movie Whiplash had been the feature had been made off of a short of that was short. made. Yeah, the short was yeah. amazing. And, the, right. and exactly. And so he made the the short to raise the money for the feature. Right. And I thought, well that's brilliant. But he basically took a ten or twelve minute scene in the movie and went and produced it and showed people that he could direct and then they said oh this will be great let's make the movie mm-hmm. we weren't able to do that with this script just the way it was um, the, the the style of the script it didn't work so we had to develop a short script for it but um, and that was another year of, of making the short you know to make it good enough to show because it's a very highly stylized film um, but once people saw the short they got it you know they understood they, right. then they go oh now you have this package you have a script you have a short you have a director you have you know so actors were able to read the script and then watch the short and say oh I want to be in that movie right yeah. so it became that was how that, that's you know how it sort of all came together in terms of packaging and kind wow. of going back to what you said before about packaging Jose. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a very important thing but without the short people were not they were like yeah yeah we love the script but they wouldn't commit Right. So it, you know, actors like a proof and finances. Kind of yes, a proof of concept, exactly. And I would definitely do that again. Um, so if the if it, you know the the movie required it, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think of other films, Sling Blade, mm-hmm. same thing. Right, yeah. that's true. Yeah, yeah, we just did yeah. it with Marcus. That was Marcus, a short. That's oh, right. you did. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, that was a right. short film, and we finished it in 2017. We went on a, an amazing festival run in 2018. I think over 30 festivals, mm-hmm. and uh, there was just so much interest in it. And then we were just like, well, let's let's just make the feature. Right. So, um, so yeah, it's been yeah. now that one's ready to come out. Hopefully, uh, we'll be having some premiere news soon. Right. Oh, great. So, yeah. Exciting. <laughs> Congrats. We're very excited. Yeah. But, very uh, much. But yeah, so I I definitely understand that so process. You know that. But yeah. I think that it's it's a great <laughs> way for young filmmakers that want to make that step to make a high quality short film. Get it out there mm-hmm. and use that as inspiration for your feature. Right. Uh, because it definitely helps, like you said, in terms of attracting talent and all that. I agree. Um, I think one of the one of the notes I would make to myself is to make it shorter than I did because the short film became 28 minutes <laughs> which oh, was actually yeah, more like a, <laughs> wow. a, a you know a, a, a pilot in a way sure. um, but actually in a way 
it was good because we ended up using it as a tool to maybe sell as a TV show, which Netflix was interested in making a TV show at one point, mm. and then they the other atypical was coming out, and there was a similarity in the uh, in the in the main characters, not at all at, at all like it, but they were concerned. It's close, and right? It was too close, oh. so they dropped it. But but the point is, is that I if I were to make a short again, I would make it. 10 minutes-ish, 8 to 12 minutes, because um, A, people's attention spans are shorter than they were, and B, when you have a 28-minute short, no film festival wants to program it. Mm, It's too long. So if you have, if you can do it, and also it takes longer to do, and and it costs more money, although we, we, like I said, kind of pooled our resources and made the film for more or less nothing, the short anyway. and then, uh, but I would definitely keep it as short as possible yeah. to, to, for, for many reasons. <laughs> right. No, you're saying yeah. it's definitely, it's a, for a very practical reason, it's more programmable in the shorts. Yeah. Uh, you know, cause usually obviously in, in these festivals, they group the shorts together. And so, you know, you have corner like, like, um. You know, just uh, uh, what would you call it? Like a program. Like of, a program. Right? Yeah, a program yeah. of shorts. Like a block of shorts. Right, a block. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, I judge, and I have, you know, for the past eight years, it's going ninth year, I judge the shorts for the Miami Film Festival. Oh, right. And so, you know, we're all in a room. Yeah. Looking at all the shorts. Mm-hmm. Not that the longer ones, you know, give you more of a time to pontificate upon mm-hmm. that particular subject mm-hmm. but the shorter ones oftentimes have more of a punch yes it's true so i mean it's different if you're making a short specifically for a film festival i think that's that's different than if you're making it for a proof of concept mm-hmm. for a feature because it's it's about showing a can the director do this mm. and and b what's the sort of look and style going to be right. more so than is this a self-contained f- story with a punch? Do you yeah. know what I mean? The, yeah, yeah, To see right. the difference, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. we're hoping to see this as uh, episodic, for sure. So... The the f- the film yeah yeah no that was we used it to make the feature to make the right. feature. instead so of a series it became instead a of a series it became instead a feature. oh okay, yeah. okay yeah I mean it I wasn't you were still trying yeah to move no it as a series. Mm, I mean we've had we've had interest but uh, mm-hmm. I haven't closed any deals on that right. but okay. there's some interest you never know right. <laughs> you never know yes but maybe when the feature comes out there'll be more interest again you know it's, yeah. that's the sort of uh, you know how it happens if you get some heat then yeah yeah well we interviewed Gregory Allen Howard a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. and you know on and you all have to listen to this podcast um, it took him 26 years to bring really? Harriet to the screen wow and so in the interview we talked about he also uh, wrote Remember the Titans mm-hmm. and so in the interview he talks about now how they're talking about making Remember the Titans into a series really yeah wow so we're hoping mm-hmm. it's become a very strong yeah sort of IP for Disney especially now with their mm-hmm. platform with Disney Plus true uh, and so I think that they're looking for those kinds of things to bring right. back in right. other forms so it's they're definitely mining their vault. Mm-hmm. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> you can as, mine your own IP. Yes. <laughs> as they should. <laughs> but, uh, but I want to hear about yeah. War Story because that's such an interesting yeah. cast. I mean, amazing actors. Catherine Keener, Ben Kingsley. Yes. Uh, shooting an exotic location. Oh, you know, gosh. Well, it sounds, it sounds exotic. I'm going to just tell you it wasn't um there's basically one place in sicily that's not exotic and that's where we shot but you know in february when it was freezing um 
but it, it suited the film uh, and uh, we were able to we shot a lot in, in a hotel a motel really um, in the middle of Sicily and uh, story takes place there Catherine Keener is a war photographer who's come back from Libya and is um, sort of recuperating from her traumas there and hiding out basically in this hotel in Sicily mm. um, and so we shot the whole film there. Um, she was originally involved and in, and in producing uh, with me and and Kristen Gore, um, mm. Al Gore's daughter. She um, she was great as well. And um, so we the whole budget for that film was five hundred thousand, um, which wow. was not very much. Uh, sure. Everyone was working for scale, um, mm. and we were looking to cast this, the role of Ben Kingsley, um, and uh, we, you know, Catherine threw out Ben's name, and I said, "That's there's no way he's shooting this in for scale in right. Sicily." You know, right. he was living in London at the time, sure. and um, and she said. And I'll never forget her words. She said, well, why don't we just ask him? <laughs> and I was like, well, you you can if you want. I mean, you know, she goes, well, let me do it. So she she phoned him and said, hey, you know, we, we'd never really met. We passed on the stairs one time on like the, the, oh, wow. the Tonight Show or something. Sure. And said, hey, I like your work. You like my work. OK, let's, you know, and that was it. And mm. so she called him and said, would you want to do this? Let me send it to you. And he said, sure. Wow. I'm not doing anything. I think we had him for five years. <laughs> Five days I'll or something. Be knighted. Yeah, I was just, <laughs> right. he was. He was a challenge. Um, right. But uh, yeah, so that was a huge coup because coup, yeah. we, you know, that rounded out the cast, mm. which was what we needed. You know. Yeah. So I, if anything, um, I would tell you never say no just always ask people if they can say no you know that's the worst that can happen happen. yeah they will say no so you have to ask even if it seems ridiculous right right right. but the ridiculous works though yeah you know it doesn't always work but you know what they say shoot for the moon yes you know exactly i mean similar thing with jd that we just interviewed who uh uh, had optioned this uh book called the corporation Mm -hmm. that's now set up at paramount and he you know they talked about when they were finding the writer the novelist uh and the number one writer in that genre was tj english who had just done this amazing work havana nocturne and they had a list of what was like five or ten writers yeah and basically the you know the number one they kept his partner who wasn't in the industry as much as he was just getting into it he was in the tire industry he was in the tire business international (laughs) tire distributor in miami okay yes uh and said why don't we just go for the top guy and just ask him what's he gonna say no (laughs) and then we'll move on so and he said yeah so wow yeah Yeah. i I just saw um jumanji (laughs) 2 over the holidays Mm -hmm. i did too danny glover is in it yes and he narrates one of my documentaries okay you know and actually he was the first big celebrity I ever worked with. Mm-hmm. And when we were putting together the documentary, you know, we we're putting together a list of people that we wanted for narrator. And right. Danny Glover was on his own page. Right, just his course. name, you yes, know. Yes. And my other producers were like, no, there's no way. And I was like, OK, watch and see. <laughs> well done. You know? And, and it, 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 yeah. took, it took a while and a lot of different channels and a lot of different ways. But right. if I had not put his name on a page by himself, you mm-hmm. know, that, that wouldn't have happened. Right. So, I know, you know, exactly. That, that, this is a story. You have you know? to try and not and then assume that it probably won't happen but you have to try i mean that's yeah. i just you know that sounds negative i don't mean it to be but um like you said if you don't if you don't even consider it then it won't happen yeah you no, know? you're right yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so one of the things i wanted to touch on you know similar to uh, another thing jd mentioned about being in the industry but living here in south florida mm-hmm. how has that been for you as opposed to like you know in the kitchen of la i guess let's call it mm. 
at times frustrating, to be honest. Um, but I made my peace with it <laughs> uh, a while ago. And, you know, I think especially now you can do a lot over Skype. You can do a lot by just traveling back and forth. I'm in New York as much as I'm in L.A. and, and Atlanta. And, um, you know, I just try to not think about, you know, what I cannot do because I'm not there and what and try to focus on what I can do you know um, and do it from where I am and, and just and when I need to go I'll go to the film festivals I go to LA like I said I go wherever I need to go right. for meetings but once I think once you also start kind of building your network of people you don't have to be there networking and making those connections as much even right. although you're building on the connections and you're sort of meeting new people anyway you're not trying to get break in quote unquote if you right. once you have made some films you know does that make sense yeah, of course. You know? yeah no it totally makes you're sort sense. of building yeah. on what you've established the foundation right. and then you don't have to be there every day um i often th- i used to think oh, I would be so much further ahead if I was there. But then when I talk to people who are there, they say to me, and of course the grass is always greener, but they say to me, well, you're lucky because you get to leave LA. You get to come and go. We have to be yeah. here every day. And the pressure and that constantly, every person in Starbucks is writing a script. And right. every person is, the neighbor is doing this and that. And they're all successful. And you feel like, you know, the world is closing in on you. You feel like sure. you're not succeeding and you start to get down about it. And I was like, mm. oh, well, I'm thinking I'm not in it if I'm not there. So, right. it, you know, it's just a different perspective on it. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. before we actually started, we talked about Georgia, you know, which is mm-hmm. Georgia has been the number one in production. You know, L.A. is you know still the epicenter, but it's right. been the number one in production for the past three years. Mm-hmm. And I know this because I've had to say the figures in front of the Miami-Dade Commission yes. when I was the chair of the film board, you know. Right. So, you know, look how that industry grew mm-hmm. and how fast it grew there. Right. So, uh, of course, it has a comprehensive a comprehensive incentive program, you know, which helps in yes. studios and, and things like that. But ultimately, you know, you look at Austin, you look at, you know, places around the country mm-hmm. that have, you know, built their epicenters. Right. So, yeah, you know, yeah, I think, you know, it can be about from where you are. And right. In this day and age, things have become a lot easier. So. They, yeah, I think I think so. Um, I I don't know. I mean, I I, I think maybe they have. Uh, it's cha- they've definitely changed. Well, no, I mean <laughs> you know? easier yeah. in that you know my yeah. creative director he lives in Switzerland. You know, oh, okay. and that would not have been able to. We, we, we were I like all, that. Can we do that? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a fun. That's place. my favorite place. I love Switzerland. <laughs> well, you know, we're back here now. Oh, you know? okay. Yeah. But right. <laughs> you know that that would not have been able to happen. You know, we were in an office in, on Lincoln Road. You know, mm-hmm. for eight years. You know, right. and the company and everyone. You know, in the office together, and we had right. to be in the office together then right now right, it's true. not absolutely not, you know files we exchange them mm-hmm. very fast yeah, you true. know and you know so things have become easier in terms of the tech of it right right, right. You know? it but, is yeah. great though you know to be able to take a lunch oh yeah no it's it's great but i think you know if you're a creative person you have to be in the environment that makes yes. you comfortable i think you know that's why you know folks like robert Rodriguez are in austin and m mm-hmm. night i don't think ever left philadelphia mm-hmm. and uh, you know obviously tyler perry and everything that he's done in georgia right uh when he was kind of shunned by the industry initially mm-hmm. yeah. uh, and it goes to show that if you have that vision and that ability to create stories, but also you're a smart producer and you know how to put things together, yeah. that you know you don't necessarily have to be in the center of it all. Right, right. 
Yeah, you create your own center. Exactly. <laughs> and I think that's a lot fun, more fun challenge right. uh, yes. than doing, you know, being part of the, the machinery, I yeah. guess you call it. Mm-hmm. But so I think that you're definitely on a right track. And I, I'd love to know what's next for you after all this amazing things that you've done. Just, you know, in, in the relatively short time you've been doing, it seems like from your creative standpoint. It feels like a long time. It feels, but no, it's, it's such a great body of work and the amazing people you've worked with. Thank like, you. you know, it's like congratulations Thank you. because yeah. it's brilliant. Thank you. But Dr. Bird. Well, yeah. So. Dr. Bird is uh, Dr. Bird's advice for sad poets. I have to say the whole title, oh, I suppose. Once in a, no, I usually say Dr. Bird, but yeah. um, just, right. we'll get the full title out once. Uh-huh. Um, so, um, can you that. give us that title again? Uh, yes. <laughs> How much time do you have? Um, it's actually well, it's the title of the book, so um, we still we went with that. Um, we. So, yeah, speaking of Georgia, we filmed in Georgia, um, but uh, we. Um, we're, we're going to be coming out in April 2020. We have a distributor working out the release plan now. Um, they have a deal with Paramount, so we're sort of hoping that will, you know, they'll kind of get behind it and put some money into the marketing, which is, of course, essential, um, essential. Yeah. To, to getting a small movie out. Um, and uh, we, I was probably most proud of this one because it took so long to make this is the one we did the short film and to raise the money and making the feature it's been a long journey but I'm very proud of the film and we we had um, Jason Isaacs and um, Lisa Edelstein and uh, Tom Wilkinson and David Arquette, funnily, and it's a funny story. We had uh, uh, Julian Sands was supposed to play a small cameo role for one one day we were shooting, and he pulled out three days before. Um, I think he got that Netflix show, um, the one with uh, Renee Zellweger. What if? Oh, I think it was right, that wow, one. I yeah. think it was that one. I don't know for sure, but I think it was. Um, and so we were scrambling because we couldn't rearrange our schedule because it was a very tight twenty-one day schedule, and. Um, and so I went to the casting director and I said, we, uh, we, need, we need to audition. We're here in Atlanta. We need to get somebody local because I can't really bring anyone in because Julian was going to do it sort of more as a favor to the director because he knows him. Um, and so she said, OK, I'll, I'll put a breakdown out and we'll, you know, we'll get some people to, um, to audition. And, uh, and so I got the tapes, oh, tapes, <laughs> the link back. <laughs> I'm dating myself now, um, and and I'm watching them, and I see David Arquette, and like that's ridiculous. Why he's not going to be? He's going to be terrible, you know. And he was so good, and just he's nailed it. He nailed the the role. So um, luckily, we were shooting three days from then, and he was able to to come to Atlanta and, wow. and film. Oh, great! And he was such a gentleman. Um, he had we had a lot of background extras on on set that day with him, and he went up to every single one, oh. and introduced himself, like they didn't know who he was, and <laughs> and you know. It was very, very courteous to everybody, and and anyway, so that was a nice little, sort of like nice story, I think, to sure. to tell. Um, and so, yeah, so cast wise, we did really nice. And, and uh, Taylor Russell uh, plays the lead uh, young lady, and she's just uh, she's in that movie Waves, which filmed here in South Florida as well. Yeah. Um, and Lost in Space, and she's on the uh, what's the other movie uh, Escape Room that came out recently so she's got a little bit of buzz around her which is good and she's lovely uh great actress um so yeah so we've you know it's it's been it was really came together in terms of casting um which excited the distributors as well and um 
yeah so i'll know more in the next few weeks in terms of what the release looks like but it's going to be around i think it's going to be in april this year so since it's coming out can you just give us a little blurb on it well it's based on the novel obviously um it's about a teenage boy who suffers from anxiety and depression um it's a it's a comedy believe it or not um but it has some darker more serious tones to it and he is um he, his father refuses to pay for uh, a therapist. He doesn't believe he has an anxiety disorder. He doesn't believe that he has panic attacks, that it's a real thing. Uh, he dismisses it. And so, and that's Jason Isaacs. And so he, um, so uh, uh, James, he, he, he talks to an imaginary pigeon in his bedroom and that's how he gets his therapy. And um, so we use the Jim Henson workshop, gave us a, a, a pigeon, a remote control pigeon that was, looks so real, is made of real pigeon feathers. Um, and uh, Puppeteer came in from New York and to operate and it was, so that was cool. But we used it in the short film also. We oh, were able to, to, yeah. to use it for that. Um, yeah, so it's a little bit, it's a coming of age story really about him falling in love with the, for the first time, but he's also got this disorder that he, that sort of uh, causes him problems. And um, so it's, yeah, so it's, a, it's, it appeals, I think, to not just teenagers, but, but we've shown, we screened it to quite a few people in different age groups and people are really responding to it as an older person, I would say, you know, I'm say 30, 40, 50, because they can relate. To, oh, that was what it was like for me as a teenager. Oh, yeah. And, and I've had anxiety and I've had issues. And, and so it's, um, I think appealing across the board to quite a larger scale of, of, of a, you know, different types of people and ages. So, wow. so we'll see, hopefully I'm just finishing up the poster and the trailer now. So once that's ready to go out, you guys will have to help me promote it. Of course, yeah. I, I want to see the whole right thing. on the website. I'm excited. I definitely want to see it. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> wow. And so, a little bit of you had mentioned briefly earlier about wanting to write and direct. Yes, your directorial uh, so, debut. Which yes, we want to hear about that. Well, that's sort of exciting because um, I wrote a story that takes place here in Miami, um, based on some personal um, experiences that that my family have had with um, addiction, and uh, it's called Maggie and. I, um, I'm, it's the first time I felt like I wanted to direct, um, and so, and I was, was advised by my agents to do that because it feels like it should be my, my story and, and I should do this. And uh, right. so once the fear subsided, <laughs> I said, you know what? Yes, I must do this. I have to mm. do this. So I'm, I'm excited about that. Um, I had uh, Tony Collette was attached for a little while and um, now she's moved on to do other things. I think she was, I think her agents were a little bit perturbed by her being interested in something small like this. We're probably looking at about the three million dollar film um but now i'm actually talking to gabrielle union so it's totally different completely different obviously but uh her agents at ca are very very gung-ho about it and really want her to do it so i'm waiting i literally hopefully this week we'll find out about that it may not be you know her it might be someone else but um i've had a lot of interest from other people as well so we'll see wow. about Gabriel, that if you're listening do the movie exactly a little bit of a miami connection there not not even just because of you know obviously who she's married to and all that but right. but even you know bad going back to bad boys too and all that yeah. uh that you know she's always seemed to have strong ties to the city so. right exactly we have to get her on screen heat miami so this is absolutely our, this is our proclamation right now <laughs> and then we'll, we'll I pitch hope. it to her again and say you have to work with Shona yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I hope so. I mean, I think um, I think she's a really great actress, and I yeah, think she's that she, yeah, she is. it's a very good role for her. It's different than what she's done before, mm. and um, so yeah, we'll see. Stay tuned, but um, but I'm I'm excited about that, and uh, I had some interest from Film Nation to produce if I can get the cast that they like. That goes back to the whole packaging conversation. Yeah. Um, but they they really like the script, so. They're like, let's keep talking. So that's what that's what we wow. do in this business. We just keep talking to each other and hope that things well, happen. Until it ha- yeah, that's gonna, <laughs> you got to do a lot of talking. Tons of conversations and coffees and lunches right. and yes, and yada yada. Exactly, but they lead somewhere eventually. <laughs> they hopefully, do most you know. of the time. Yeah, well, we can yeah. see with your career, it's led to a lot. You <laughs> yeah, know? it's it's. You, you. I mean, it's a fascinating journey. So, um, but yeah, this has been. We have flown through this interview. Like you have yeah. done. This has been great. I'm okay. so excited. I did have Good. one thing. Yeah. Um, we talked a lot about agents, you know, mm-hmm. so we've, we've heard about, you know, your agent, your agent. Have right. you had the same agent or have you changed agencies over time? Um, can, can you no, talk about been, how that works, the agent? Yeah, I've, I've, well, I've been, um, I've been with the Gersh agency for a little, for basically from the beginning. That doesn't mean that will continue forever, <laughs> but, um, the, you know, they, um, they, I basically came into there mostly as a as a producer, um, and uh, the the sales agent there was representing the film that I was, um, you know, that I was uh, selling. Coffee. Um, and um, sorry, is that rude to re- refuse coffee in, oh, in no. Miami? Uh, no, this is, I mean, it, it's this one of our cafecitos. Yes. Oh, so that's you're talking to day. the British girl here. Right. Where's the tea? Oh, that's true. <laughs> yes. Sorry, we should have thought of that. Oh. Yeah. But yeah, it's a little tradition here that uh, oh. at some point during an interview, we don't know exactly when, uh-huh. Roberto, uh, who works here with us at Camacol, at the, you know, where we're based out of, he, uh, he'll he bring in a shot of cafecito oh. for everyone. Okay. So, well, I'm sorry yes. to refuse. I, oh, not no. It's my, okay. No, you know, just no. the I'm aroma, sure I'm sure, is getting... I'm sure it's yes. delicious. But, um, <laughs> JL and I I'll are having some. our first cafecitos of the season. So, oh, yes. of, the, of the decade. Of the decade. Oh, maybe, yes. So, yes. Cheers. Please continue. What was I saying? can't remember. Yeah, agencies. Because, yeah. You know, oh, agencies. We, we, yeah, we kind of want yes. to, you know, give this notion what, of exactly what the role of the what agent, the role is. Of the yeah. agent, and the agents. Well, they're de- depending on. Yes, it's different depending on what you're, what you're doing, I suppose. So in my case. Sort of started off as uh, an agent who was representing the film, the finished film itself, um, and then uh, sort of grew into okay, well now I know you and you've sold my first film. Now I'm going back to you and saying, hey, I had this project that I found or send me what you have. You know, your agency as a whole is looking for a producer for something or looking to, you know, get a book uh, optioned or whatever. And um, and then it's just like any other contact. I would just go back to him and say, you know, hey, who do you think I should call about this? And then he would say, oh, these people. And it would be, maybe it's to do with writing and directing versus producing, but um, every once you're once you have a sort of in an agency, they tend to work together to help bring the projects into their agency, if that makes sense, and keep mm-hmm. it there and right. keep you know bring make sure the directors from there and the right and the writer might be adapting whatever from there and and um, and then they the, the the finished film will be sold by that agency. And so it's sort of like they try to keep it in-house. In-house, that's the word I'm <laughs> right. looking for. Yeah, as much as possible yeah, because they don't right. want to share any 
any, any yeah, potential revenue exactly. or commission. Just right? anything, exactly. anything with anyone. Exactly. And I've had firsthand experience of that with Dr. Bird because my director, who also wrote the script, what we met at Gersh. And then he ended up moving over to UTA, United Talent Agency, at, in the middle of our project. And so then when it came to f- selling the film, both agencies had to be involved because right. we were both represented at different places. So oh, tricky. Yes. But uh, everyone got along. Good. So that's good. <laughs> so, well, they, see, they seem to anyway. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's always smiles and how you doing? Yeah. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> the niceties. Yeah. Love the LA thing. Yeah. Front. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that is a world unto itself. Even within the Hollywood ecosystem, the agencies are yes. very interesting and always evolving. <laughs> right. It seems like. Exactly. But, but yeah. 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 Very cool. So, well, yeah. I, I, I'm excited to see how your career continues to evolve because you. you've done amazing work. And I think we definitely need to end with our signature questions. Yes. Uh-oh. What do you do think? this? This is another tradition. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we started it. On our first interview, actually. Yeah, with Adrian, okay. yeah. With Adrian, yeah. yeah. Which is, if you could go back mm-hmm. and talk to your 16, 17, 18-year-old self. Mm. Like, back to the future. This is a good question. Yeah. What advice what would, would you, you Yeah. About this, about life or this business? We or can say, just yeah, in the general? life, business, but the industry, you know. Industry. You know, we're really saying the industry, but yes. if you want well, to open it up to life I thought, in general. <laughs> Because I could go on and on. Um, what would I say? Mm, I would say have less fear to that that kid, you know, in England trying to make it. Um, just don't. I mean, it, I feel like I've gone through stages where I haven't given up and I've pushed through and things have happened. But there was a time when that when I might have had more fear, and I think back then there was too much of that, and I might have been able to. I don't know. Do some do more earlier, perhaps. I don't know. It's a, it's a very interesting question. I yeah, but you know I, what? You know? There, there is a lot in there mm-hmm. because even after accomplishing something, mm-hmm. that stress, that fear, really does wear you down. Right. And if you have less of that, mm-hmm. that journey becomes a little bit easier. You know, and yeah. that journey becomes a little bit more pleasurable. So. I think thinking about it. Um, one of the first script that I ever wrote um, was won some competitions, some screenplay competitions, and I went to Sloan out to LA, and I met Sid Field, who is, if most people yeah, don't know, is the get the book, the guy, yeah, the, <laughs> the first screen book on screenwriting, and he came up and congratulated me, and it was a really great moment. Wow. What happened was then. I was like, well, I've got this, you know, forget fear. And then I start, we sat down to write the next film, script and I was blocked because I was afraid I couldn't recreate mm. what had come before. So it was, it was sort of like, you know, work through the fear. <laughs> but so then when I came to Fright Finding Joy, one of the, the themes is that um, the main character has written a, a successful novel and cannot write the next one. And so that sort of came from that experience of not being able to recreate that feeling of that that I had lack of no fear I was like oh I'm just writing something nobody's gonna see it anyway and then it became quite not successful it was it won some awards but it it launched me into a place where I said oh I can do this and then I started to go well no I can't do this how can I do this again and and so yeah I, I try to forget try to like work through that 
if it comes up again mm. and, and not. And so that's probably why I said I would tell my 17 year old self to not have fear because I know that those things have come up for me. And so when it, when it came up like, oh, you should direct Maggie, well, the fear wanted to go, hey, I'm here again. And then I said, no, 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 no go with that kind of ride the fear wave and see where it goes and at this mature stage in my life i have to do that because what's the worst that can happen i'm trying to tell myself that now and i love that because for me that's even and i love to get this from the people that we're interviewing you know i'm getting lessons too you know but that's you know enjoy the journey Mm -hmm. and that does help you enjoy the journey yeah because the you know it's said it's not the destination. Right. It's the journey. Enjoy that ride. I think you have to you have to appreciate each little stage, even if it's um, even if it doesn't go anywhere. You know, like having Tony Collette attached to 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 be in Maggie, and then it fell through after four months. I was devastated, but then I go, well, wait a minute. That was an accomplishment in itself. Oh, yeah. So, you know, she's there. She is at the Golden Globes the other night, and I'm like, and I'm like, oh yeah, huh? she read my script, and then Jennifer Aniston read my script, wow. and and oh, I know that guy. Oh no, yes, Brian Brian Cox's wife is a friend, and it's like I didn't, I couldn't say that five years ago watching that show. And I wouldn't huge. have known who anyone was. Yeah. So I think that's you have to rem, you have to tell yourself those things and remind yourself that that's. Those are important milestones to remember and to acknowledge because it's not just the finished, like you said, not just getting to the end and the journey, but those moments in between are actually quite big. Sure. And you don't realize, I was, I did used to not realize that they were. Yeah. I'm trying to focus on seeing them now. <laughs> wow. So the second part, and JL will give you this one. So yeah, this is sort of a, yeah, part two is what advice would you give a young filmmaker, writer, producer in 2019 coming up or that wants to get... 2020. In 2020, sorry. <laughs> yes. Um, in the new decade. Mm. <laughs> what advice would you give a, a young aspiring writer or producer? Um, or director. Or director. Yeah, filmmaker. Filmmaker. Content creator. Content creator. Gosh, I think I would, I would just say to learn as much as you can about everything Mm. teach yourself editing teach yourself you know I didn't I wasn't going to be an editor I wish I knew how to edit I don't um I'm going to have somebody who's really good at that do that for me you know I don't uh I just learn everything you can and just keep keep going keep trying it and and fail at it and keep getting up and keep doing it again because you're not going to be brilliant at it right away everybody thinks they're coming out of film school even in our day oh i'm going to be a director i'm going to be you know no you're not you're going to be sweeping the floors and you're going to you know you're going to learn you have to learn everything you have to uh yes you can go off and make your short film and show you're a brilliant director but if you don't know how to make that short film how are you going to succeed and do a great film? It doesn't make sense. You have to know how to do it. You know? Does that make sense? Like, oh, just, yeah, just it makes learn and read yeah. and, and, and immerse yourself in everything. And I wish that I knew how to do some of these technical things, but now I have people I know that are good at it and I can call them and say, hey, do this for me. So, sure. But I wish I knew how to do some of, some of it myself. Yeah, I mean, you can't, <laughs> but the thing is, you can't know everything. No, that's you know? true. Right. No, that's true. true. And yeah. so, but certainly, you know, having the ability to have an understanding, mm-hmm. you know, helps, yeah. helps, helps yeah. To, to, to move things along. Right. Yeah. But I, I think that's great advice. I mean, it's true. It's, 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 it's an apprenticeship advice. business and it's something yeah. that, yeah, you just have to immerse yourself. And like I said, maybe eat a little bit of humble pie at the beginning mm-hmm. and just work your way up like everyone does. Right. Essentially. Yeah. So. yeah and I for agree. me, even now, you know, 
if I have to run cables, if I have to, whatever it takes to get yeah. the project done. And I've, you know, when uh, Danny Glover did that narration, I was like, that's it. Mm-hmm. I'm made. You know, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. you know, and I've gone on to, you know, Daryl Hannah's, Tommy Flanagan, like work with all these people. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, whatever it takes to get the project done. Yes. I do Absolutely. it. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And building the relationships as you go, I think that's the key. Uh, yeah. I think some people are too, they push too hard too soon and then, and people back off. But it's, it's, develop, it's, how, it's knowing how to balance that building the relationship versus asking for too much right away. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's yeah. hard. Though. It's very hard. Right. Yeah, right. it is. It is. Wow. Yeah. Well, you definitely know how to ask the right people because of what you built. <laughs> <laughs> and I, mean, I can't I'm still wait. Blown I can't away. wait for yeah. this movie. I Thank mean, you. you know, the thing is, and so one of my favorite films uh, is um, jo- Jojo from um, last year, from 2019. Mm-hmm. Jo- uh, Jojo Rabbit. Yeah. Kid based, yes. you know, but it really has a message for everyone, yeah. you know, and an accessibility right. for everyone. Mm-hmm. And so, I just love films like that. Yeah, you yeah. Know? So yeah. I'm really excited. Yeah. You know, we're, we're definitely going to be promoting. Coming up. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> but yeah, I, I want to thank our amazing we're fans. Yes, <laughs> thank you. We're, yeah, yeah. Fans. we're so definitely much. Shona Tuckman fans. This has been great. Um, you know, a great way to start the year with a, a phenomenal interview. So thank you for doing this, Shona. Well, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Then we will uh, we'll be back on the other side. Yes. Okay, we're back in. That was a great interview. Yeah. Shona Tuckman. Shona's awesome. Yeah, she's a fantastic producer, part of the community here. So excited for her directorial uh, debut. I guess. And her career. Yeah, and her career in general. It's such an interesting ride and everything that she's been able to do and the people she's been able to work with. I mean, super amazing. We tucked that interview away. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. Well, listeners are going to have to come and untuck that. Oh, yes. Many times. Unpack over. it. And yeah, it's going to be very, very interesting. But yeah, that's that's definitely one that you want to listen to a couple times. So she's worked with some people that yeah. I really love. Really amazing people. Sir Ben Kingsley. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, Catherine Keener, Sir Ben Kingsley, all sorts of very interesting wow. talent that's been, you know, part of her her repertoire of work. So can't wait to see what's next for Shona. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. So here we are. And we're, we're going to talk a little bit about a, a film review. Yeah. What do we got? Oh, the thunder, the rolling thunder. Intern Andre is back. All right. Welcome back, Intern Andre. Woo. Right, thank you for having me. Come on in here. Well, uh, this weekend, I saw The Gentleman, directed by uh, Guy Ritchie, starring Hugh Grant, Charlie Hunnam, Matthew McConaughey. Um, I thought it was great. It's uh, it's very much in the style of, of Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels and Snatch, his older movies that got him famous, which was, uh, it was refreshing, because King Arthur wasn't... It was whatever, and then Aladdin was very much uh, a Disney movie in its in the purest sense of the word. Um, the movie subverted my expectations more than once. There was a lot of like red herrings here and there, and this and that. It was uh, very interesting. The writing, he got to write this one again. I don't know if he wrote King Arthur, but he got back to the pen in this one, and it was super. Entertaining. It was really interesting how he wrote this. Um, uh, Hugh Grant stole the show for me. He was 
hilarious. He was so funny. His character was super interesting, and he's very, very homoerotic in this movie, and it's hilarious. Really? It is so funny. He's flirting. Homoerotic? Yes. He like. Whoa. He like jokingly flirts with Charlie Hunnam throughout the whole movie, and Charlie Hunnam's like not with it. Oh my gosh. He's like, don't touch me, don't touch me, and he's just like, he keeps on with it. It's super funny. Matthew McConaughey is very like intense in this movie he's kind of known for being like uh what's up yeah man he's just gonna go out there and make which it. he is in some parts but like you know <laughs> necessarily there's parts there's parts where where right. like a wolf of wall street he had a couple of moments it was a really cool he wasn't in much of that movie it's but a different kind of intensity oh. that's intensity <laughs> you don't bring me two drinks after that until one of us passes the fuck out <laughs> that's, a di- that's a different thing right yeah <laughs> Uh, another person that surprised me, uh, Henry Golding. Uh, I kind of only knew him as a rom-com guy because he was in uh, R- Crazy Rich Asians, and he was also in that stinker uh, Last Christmas with Amelia Clark. But his his character was really different. He's kind of like unhinged in this movie. Really, it's very interesting. He's kind of like the rival gang against Matthew McConaughey's. Uh, mob boss kind of thing. Uh, Colin Farrell was great. He was funny as hell. Super funny. But all overall, great movie. I loved it. 7 out of 10. Yeah? Yeah. 7 out of 10. Okay, not bad. It's a good comeback. It's a good solid movie to watch. Yeah. All right, we'll put it on the list. Bring him back to form. Mm-hmm. Very nice. I forgot Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock's, the Sherlock Holmes movie were good. Yeah. But the, I don't know if he did anything between Sherlock and King Arthur. I just wanted to add that to his canon. Yeah. You can't just throw that to the side. Yeah, those are good movies. Those are good movies. I like those a lot. Okay. All right. Intern Andre. You're good, you. Signing off. Good work. <laughs> we'll see you soon. Keep watching movies. It's very important. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Well Andre. done, Intern Andre. There is something I wanted to talk about. Go ahead. That I'm very excited about. You sound excited. Yes. A Matthew McConaughey kind of excitement. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we're hosting the Super Bowl. We got to talk about the Super Bowl. You are? Where? Where should I bring? I'm going to leave that alone. (laughs) I'm going to a lot of Super Bowl events. Oh, you're going. There you go. Good for you. My company's covering some Super Bowls. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Nice. But... Besides that, I wish I was covering that halftime show. Oh, it's going to be a big one this year. J-Lo and Shakira. Yeah. That's going to be something. Let's talk about it. Screen heat. Oh, that's going to be hot. Mucho caliente. Yeah. You think there'll be other cameos? there got to be other cameos. Yeah, there's going to be other cameos. I think any artist, any Latino artist that's living and or ever been in Miami is probably going to show up at some point. What do you think? Yeah. I think so. Oh, I can't wait. That's going to be great. Yeah. You think uh, Mr. 305 will make a, a flyby? I'm sure. Yeah. You heard it first. Screen Heat Miami prediction. There you go. Dolly. The twist. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to come up with a new song that we mentioned previously, the 786 anthem. Siete ocho seis. Let's see him add everything. Nine five four. Hey, five six one. <laughs> That's the song right there. <laughs> that was a song. What was the? You remember that song? Come on, you got to It was um, uh, the Atlanta rapper. Jeez, about the. Area oh code. yeah, it's right there. Area, area code. It was called Area Code. We couldn't even remember. It's called Area Code. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, you know, Shakira back 
in my first career, Uh which was acting and modeling, I remember when she was transitioning over into the U.S. market. Right. And I did a commercial with her. Uh, It's a Pepsi commercial. Oh, yeah. And this is before, you know, most any American, really not any American, but most Americans didn't know who Shakira was. Right. And from the moment I saw it's like big stage and, you know, she walked down the stage and it was like, you know, phenomenal. I was like, wow, this woman is just going to kill. Yeah. And that was the time of um, Hips Don't Lie. I think was like our first whatever. Yeah, that was her big crossover break. Those breakout. hips don't lie. They don't. Very honest tips. Man, in person, those hips are yes. the truth. There you go. But um, at one point, you know, they said J Lo uh, had her butt uh, insured by Lords of London. Maybe the hips also were in that category. I'm sure. We got Shakira's hips, J Lo's booty. We got butts and hips. It's going to be quite the combination. <laughs> butts and hips and hits. <laughs> <laughs> but I did mention that for a reason because there is uh-huh. a screen heat overlap. Okay. A lot of people are talking about J Lo being snubbed for the Oscars. Yeah, that that has been uh, mentioned a lot. Uh, so yeah, very disappointed because I, you know, obviously, you know, someone that has the acting chops as well as the performing chops. I loved Hustlers. So yeah, you know, it's like it, I think that one should have gotten a little more. There's a few movies that, that I felt yeah definitely should have got a little more love. Well, a big thing is, and typically, if an actress hmm. is nominated for the Golden Globes and the SAG Awards, they get the Oscar. They get the Oscar nod. Right, and so they're. They're saying that she was robbed. Yeah, I think that the female acting category this year was definitely like Aquafina did not get nominated either for the farewell, which won yeah. the Golden Globe, right? The she, farewell. Yeah, she, Aquafina. Won. Aquafina won. And yeah, she, but she didn't even get nominated. She didn't get else. nominated. Yeah, so it's yeah, it was just weird. It's just wonky, wonky. That's okay, J Lo. I'm gonna write a movie for you. Your movie made money. You're dancing at the Super Bowl. You know, you're the hot Miami couple with a Rod. I'm gonna write an Oscar movie for J Lo. Yeah, you should. I'm doing it. Call it halftime. <laughs> <laughs> Hips don't lie to sequel. It's already a sequel. The drama behind the game. It's already a franchise. Next summer. <laughs> Butts and hips. Butts and hips. Yes. Yeah. Or it could be a surgical medical procedural drama. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Could be a lot going on there. We didn't ta- we didn't take it there in Screen Heat. No, we did not. Yes, we did. Okay, <laughs> we absolutely did. <laughs> Better back it up. Yeah. So so yeah, it's 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 going to be a very fun weekend. So you know, obviously the world will be watching. All eyes are on Miami right now. Uh, parties galore all over the city. I'm hitting a Wiz Khalifa. What? And an Akon party. Look at you. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Mister Three Hundred Five, there he is. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, enjoy all of that. I'm sure it's going to be interesting. I'm bringing the microphone with me. Are you? You better. <laughs> Let's see if we can get some screen <laughs> exclusives. Get some exclusives out there. Uh, yeah. So um, I'm looking forward to next week's interview. I did this one maybe two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Right. Max Weiler. Max runs a company called Accord. They're one of the biggest companies in unscripted here in Miami. They have two shows on the air now. They've had numerous shows on air on different networks from Animal Planet to Bravo to, I mean, the list goes on and on. So, you know, you're really going to have to check this one out. This is uh, what we do here at Screen Heat, which is we certainly move to explore every area of the industry. So with that being said, 
Next week's episode is going to be incredible. Oh, yes. That's going to be 23. Yeah, we're up there. We're definitely solidly into the 20s. Yeah. And I have to give um, a heartfelt um, shout out to 24 before we get there. Number 24, Kobe Bryant. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Kobe. Those are good times in L.A. I remember I was I was out there when he was having just an incredible run and the whole city was almost uplifted by that team and everything that, you know, obviously Kobe meant to the community out there and, and the industry is just, uh, yeah, it's sad, you know, to hear about his daughter and everyone his else. His daughter obviously. and everyone yeah, else. Yeah, that was yeah. on that flight, unfortunately, tragically, uh, this past weekend. So yeah, definitely a lot of heartfelt uh, love to the family over there and, and everyone affected by that community for sure. Yeah. yeah. So with that being said, um, we're really looking forward to next week's episode. Yeah. We thank everyone. Yes. That has been listening. Our screen heaters. Screen heaters. And definitely, you know, go back and listen to the other episodes. Yes, please. Lots of now we have over 20 to choose from. <laughs> there you go. So until On the way to 100. Time, we can. Yes. And then you'll have a lot to choose from. We're getting there. We're getting there. Poco a poco. Yep. So. I'm Kevin Sharpley. JL Martinez. This is Screen Heat Miami. Dolly. Boom.